So we're still on the series, Own Your Power, and I'm excited about that. Anybody else excited about Own Your Power? Yeah. It's been kind of cool. I know some of you guys that were here last week were, have been working on the harsh self-talk and the voices, and I've been hearing some exciting things about that as far as the fellowships and the posts. On, I love reading on the Facebook post about, our fellowship's awesome, and it's great, and God's moving, and I'm seeing stuff, and I like that. That's pretty cool. We have a big God that he can work so mightily in this. And so today in Own Your Power, I'm going to be talking about the power of prayer. So you might be wondering, like, wait a minute, own your power. What's that got to do with prayer? Prayer, power, yeah. (laughs) I see somebody go, a lot. So, um, (laughs) well, just in case you're wondering, though, because the one of the things that I, I, my, I wanted to focus on in this series is in difficult situations where there seem to be no answers or solutions, what are the things that you can do that people often forget in those circumstances? Because usually when challenges come up, have you noticed that you, you know, a lot, a, um, a lot of people, do you, maybe you guys do this, go into work harder, try harder mode? You know, just do more. Do you know what I'm saying? And so the own your power and the concept of that is doing things that people usually don't think about that can be very, very helpful. And a huge one is prayer. If you're stuck and your circumstances, we talked about the first week, suck. Circumstances that suck or that just aren't what you love. What can you do is prayer. I am such a freak about prayer. If anybody's been around me, you know this, right? I talk about prayer a lot because I have gone through all kinds of times in my life where, you know, being a Christian and and when I first came to know God, prayer was not hard to do because I spent my, my earlier life as an atheist. So the fact that there was a God and I was talking to God, you didn't have to like talk me into prayer. Like it was thrilling to me to pray and feel like there's a God hearing me. It was electrifying. Like there were days that I prayed for hours just because of the joy of it. It was just, could not get enough. It was just like amazing. It was just amazing. I mean, it was just spending time with God to me was like better than spending time with anybody. It was just could not get enough of it. I remember one night I stayed up all, I did, I stayed up all night in prayer and just being thrilled to be in the presence of God. But, you know, as many people have discovered, if you've, you know, had time in your walk with God, you know, I, there have been times in my life at different, at different moments that I became self-reliant where I was a Christian and doing the Bible and applying the Bible, but doing it on my own, including When I was a young Christian, I became a leader of a congregation very early on in life and became self-reliant, which seems insane to me today. Here I am responsible for other people and trying to lead other people, and I'm doing it by myself and not seeking God in this. And I mean to tell you, you want a formula to burn out, that's one. You know, taking on a lot of responsibility and not having God in the mix or including God will burn you out. It will fatigue you. So 
And then even as recently, my last little moment of sort of wandering from my commitment to spending time in prayer happened about eight years ago. Again, I was in ministry, and somehow, you know, idiot that I have the capacity to be. Um, I'm doing ministry. Things are going extremely well. My career is going well. Ministry is going well. And I'm thinking, I got this and spent a time period of not really being committed or devoted to prayer. And man, it's just the, it, it, it's just funny because it, it did. It took an effect of, of, that was subtle, but I never want to go back there again. It definitely changed the way that I related. It hardened my heart, um, you know, got me into very self-reliant mode. And, um, and I related in a way that people exhausted me. I'm in ministry. People are exhausting you. Sorry, that's ridiculous. Like, you know, it's just, it disgusts me that that's where I went. It's not a good place to go. So now, for me, prayer is such a huge priority in my life. I love it. I crave it. I notice even if there's a day that I'm not on my knees before God and spending time seeking him, I can feel it. Like some of you guys that are big gym people probably feel it when you didn't go to the gym that day. <laughs> but you know when you're like, really? I got some people nodding out there that you guys can relate to that on that end of things. So I'm a huge advocate of it. I absolutely believe that nothing impacts our lives radically day to day as much as prayer. I'm a big believer in if you got a lot going on, do less, pray more. You ever think prayer is not productive, ever related to it that way? This feels unproductive. You get a lot to do, and you're sitting there going, I can't afford to pray. I have so much to do today. You know, I, hey, there are days that, you know, I get tempted by that, but I have never, ever seen a time that I've taken time out in my day to get on my knees before God that I didn't get more done. You know, I don't know how it works. It doesn't even make sense as far as logic or reason. Or This is one of the things that's supernatural in many ways that you cannot explain it. I've experienced it. Everybody I know has experienced it. Now, And I want to really talk about how this even works if this is something that you don't even know. If you believe in God, prayer still can work. And I'm going to talk to you about how that works. Because um, I think we also get an idea that prayer is just for those that have bought in that have said, I believe in God, this is my thing. And we're also, I also want to talk about how to pray in a way that it's refreshing. Because I know that at, at certain times in my life, I've gotten into prayer as a check off the box, almost like a superstitious thing. You know, I'm praying because I certainly don't want bad things to happen. You know, where it's gotten kind of dull or boring or lifeless. Anybody have prayers like that? You know, it's... <laughs> um, so... To get to the place where our prayer life is exciting and vibrant and restoring. So I want to talk about that as well. So I w let's go to Luke 11 in, in uh, verse 1. If you want, or if you haven't checked it out, we're on the version Bible app. You can put in Searchlight or The Power of Prayer uh, if you'd like to look at the scriptures there. And in, in Luke 11 in verse 1, it opens up, it says... <laughs> Now it came to pass as he was praying, and this is Jesus. Jesus was praying in a certain place. 
When he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Now, there's a couple things here is, Jesus prayed a lot. Jesus? I doubt, I'm pretty sure I can safely say there's nobody here that has prayed anywhere close to as much as Jesus prayed. Jesus was a busy guy. I'm also going to say, I doubt anybody here is as busy as Jesus was. Jesus, talk about a schedule, talk about demands on his life. He, it says over and over in the Bible, this is repeated, he got up a great while before day, which I so can't relate to. A great while before day means a great while before the sun came up. Not my bag. There's also times in the Bible, it said he prayed all night. Jesus. Now, praying all night, nobody was watching while he's doing it. So it's not like he's saying, I'm going to give you a little demonstration. You watch. I'm going to be on my knees all night before the Father. This is not just for the sake of a lesson. The fact that Jesus could do all that he could do, there were thousands and throngs and people showing up that he laid hands on to heal, how could he do it? You ever think about like, the, like what that would be like to have thousands of people, you know, constant like that, wanting something from you? And how do you not get burnt out? He really, talk about a priority. Talk about making it number one. He sought God. To the degree that, like I say, all night. When's the last time you prayed all night? Lately? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That's a lot of prayer. It's a lot of prayer. Or the fact that he regularly got up a great while before day because it's, uh, uh, you know, it's how he, he needed to seek the power of God in being able to do and accomplish what his ministry, what he was called to do. So, and then it's kind of cool because the disciples say, teach us, which is great because you can learn to pray. And he would think prayer should just be like, oh, I got, I I know how to pray out of the womb. You know, like everybody have that expectation. Prayer should look awesome, like without any kind of learning and growing. You know, pretty much most things in life you're going to learn and grow. There's not like, I got this, you know. So it's cool that they sought that from him, that they said, teach us how to pray. And then what he does is he prays the Lord's Prayer. Now, a lot of people have heard this prayer. I want to kind of talk about it because what, of why he did this. Because I've, sometimes have you seen where people relate that the Lord's Prayer means you're supposed to say that exact prayer over and over? It could not be what he is meaning by this because... In Matthew, which is um, uh, another gospel, another record of Jesus that has the same record in it, in the same record, you know, the thing is, is, is um, in Matthew, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are gospels that have, are very similar. They cover many of the same uh, topics and many of the same incidents that happened. I mean, John is too, but it it doesn't have quite as much similarity to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So it has that same record in it, but one of the things Jesus says in that one is that he says, don't pray 
like the heathen do with the vain repetitions. What he's saying is, don't pray where you're just saying things to repeat, repeat, repeat. He says, for they think that they'll be heard for their much speaking, is what he says. In the same context. So you can't take the Lord's Prayer, you know, just look at the Scripture. Because sometimes with the Bible, you have to look at the context of what's written in other places to understand it. The reason I'm focusing on this particular gospel is because it's got some other things that I want to focus on today. But, so he says, no, it's not about saying a lot and repeating yourself. It's not about droning things that don't matter. It is, that is not the, the concept of, of prayer, because prayer is supposed to be a relationship with God. It is not a superstition. God didn't design it. God wants a relationship with us. So formulaic prayers that aren't, you know, God wants, and you see prayers in the Bible, you see Psalms, where people are beating on their chest and saying, you know, I'm afraid, God, or, you know, just like rescue me. You know, people being really real with God, God likes those prayers. Where you can be raw, you can be real. It's not, it doesn't have to fit this nice little formula, this nice little tidy formula. Sometimes I think we think that with God. A real good relationship is where you can be open and honest and real, just kind of like the ambassador team was talking about. That's how you get close, right? It's how you get close to God as well. So it can't mean that. So let's take a look at what are the elements in this prayer that he is trying to teach because I feel like he's showing them some of the things, some of the elements of seeking in prayer, and and we'll talk about that. He says, uh, when you pray... Say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And the hallowed is, is like holy, so it's, it's relating to worship. A good thing that really helps in prayer is worshiping God. Sometimes we don't think of that. Sometimes we just make our prayer, prayers just a request list. But at, why does it help to worship? Worship meaning exalting God as being God and giving him honor and glory because it helps us to see God as being massive and us as being small, and that actually helps us to understand that we can rest in God, that we don't have to take it all on ourselves, that it is. When I pray, when I think, lately, like when we were doing the worship at the ambassador program, I got this image of the sun and the power and magnitude of the sun and the gases and the intensity and how, how big the sun is. I mean, you think how little the earth is compared to the sun. And then I'm thinking, wait, I'm praying to the guy that made the sun, and that's just one. There are many other stars like the sun. I mean, how phenomenal. I'm talking to the person that made the sun. You know, kind of, does that help sometimes when you pray to get perspective? We're not, it's, sometimes for me, I was raised with bewitched and I dream of genie. And some, you know, and so they're mad, you know, so sometimes I tend to think of God that small or like Santa or something. Do you know what I'm saying? Like small power. Do you know, like, like I dream of, you're too young. Nobody knows these shows. So I dream of genie. You know, you, you, you know, it's just like a genie and a lamp, you know, where you make a wish and, you know, she blinks and there's it. I tend, anybody ever brought God when you think of God small like that in your brain? You know, li- super limited. It helps me to connect with worship. I'm praying to the 
to the spirit or being or entity or whatever that made the sun. You know, and that's just like, I was just like, well, then my problems feel like maybe he could help. Do you know what I'm saying? It's possible God could help. It helps me not take it on myself. So hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, which is really cool because it's your kingdom come is speaking to the time coming when there's no tears and no sorrow. It talks about a future time, the hope. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which is a prayer of saying, God, we want your will here. Uh, And verse 3, it says, give us... Day by day, our daily bread. You know, God cares about your physical needs. This is another point of this. He cares. He's not like, hey, I'm spiritual. I I could care less whether you're taken care of financially. It's just I'm above all that. God's not relating like that. If If you need food, God says he wants to supply our need. If you have physical needs, God actually cares and pays attention that matters to God. We can go to God for those things. It is totally fine. You are not being superficial to ask God for the things that you need in the physical realm, that God can be there for you. And then it says, and forgive our sins, which is asking God to help heal the stuff on the inside, as for we also forgive everyone who has indebted us. And lead us not into temptation, You know, God, help us with the things that challenge us, the things that tempt us, but deliver us from the evil one. So it kind of gives you a range in this prayer of some things of of the vastness of God and how we can relate. And kind of like you want to see prayer as being diverse, as being, you know, know, like God can be many things. We want to not have God in a box when we pray, but to really be thinking about inviting God into very, to many places in, in our prayer life. So then he gives this, this story, which is really great in verse 5. He says, and then he says to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing set before him. So, okay, this is kind of funny. How many of you would be super comfortable going to your friend's house at midnight and saying, hey, I need some food. I, I, I got nothing. Can you get, like, knocking at the door? Now, mind you, it's the Middle East and another day. They did not have electricity. So it's not like it's a friend that just happens to stay up late at night at midnight where it's not a big deal. Do you know, sometimes we have friends like that, night owls, and you're going, oh, that's fine. I can show up at midnight and ask for some food. So, <laughs> but I'm guessing, how comfortable would you be asking a friend of yours, a neighbor of yours, for food, period? Back in the old day on TV shows, they used to borrow sugar all the time. My day in the 50s, they go, you got a cup of sugar? I don't, you know, I can't relate to that. I've never done that in my life. <laughs> go on and say, you got a cup of sugar? You know. Anyway, so, so for one, so this would kind of, to me, I kind of relate to it. Midnight is even later than probably what we think of because these people, you know, went to bed like at 8. You know, there's just sort of agricultural society going to bed, you know, early, etc. So he's showing up at his friend's house at midnight and saying, I'm having company and I have nothing to feed them. Please give me some bread. <laughs> and then it says, 
In verse 7, he will answer from within. So, the, so his neighbor's not getting up to answer the door and say, go away. Don't trouble me. The door's shut. My children are in bed. I'm not going to get up and give you anything. <laughs> it's too late. Leave me alone. Sometimes you feel that way when people call you late at night. I'm sleeping. Go away. <laughs> are you kidding me? It's like midnight. Bye. <laughs> you know? With a phone call. So this guy is in bed saying, I'm not getting up. It's like, go. It's late. My kids are asleep. Don't wake them up. So then it says, in verse 8, I say to you, though he's not going to rise and give to him because he's his friend, but yet of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So it's kind of funny because that word persistence in the Greek has only been used, is only used once in the Bible, and it actually means impudence or shamelessness. That's the word for persistence. So he's saying, he's saying, he won't get up because he's a friend. He's saying, it's too late, go away. Even if you're like great friends, he's saying, it's too much, I'm not going to get up for that. But he says, the idea is that he's going to get up because he, because the guy won't stop knocking. So the guy's like knocking, knocking. He's like, okay, whatever, whatever. You can have the bread. And he says, as much as you want. You can have as much as you want. Just go away. Now, is the moral of this that that's how God thinks of prayer? Go away. Like if you pray a lot, just go away. No, it can't be. Actually, and I'm not just making this up. I'm going to show you in the context because we don't want to just make it up and say, oh, I don't like thinking of God that way. I'll just make up how I would like to see it. We're going to see in the context of this that this is not the message. For one, the focus is on the person doing the praying and their persistence, and they're not getting up. That's why the word shameless is kind of cool, because what it implies, or impudence, because it's like, think about, like, the guy doesn't care if he's being a bother. He doesn't look. Have you ever thought about that when you're praying, like, I'm bothering God? My problems are too small. Don't want, he has more important things to do than to be there for me. So that word, the impudence or shamelessness, is not being self-conscious of, I don't want to be too needy, don't want to be a bother, but just going, the shamelessness is what it's saying, is saying, I, I'm not being shy about this. I, I, like, I have a need. I, like, dropping the pride, being vulnerable. There's so many cool things about this. Isn't that what it would take for you to go to somebody's house in the middle of the night? So then it says, and he tells you that this is the lesson. So the lesson we're going to see is not God's bugged when we pray. Um, And you're going to see by the context of the next two things that it talks about. Because it says, so I say to you. So means, so the lesson is, so I say to you, ask. Jesus is saying, so the message is, ask. Don't be shy. Don't be saying, who am I? God, I don't want to bother God. The message is ask. And what? It says, and it will be given to you. That's the message. That's why we can't interpret it another way. Then the message is seek. And what will happen? You will find. Seek. Knock. And it will be open to you. For Everyone, how many? Everyone who asks what? Receives. And he who seeks what? Finds. If you seek, you're going to find. And to him who knocks, it will be open. 
We are huge and I am passionate. My number one religion I say to people is I'm a truth seeker. I am a seeker first and foremost. I don't ever want to be locked into dogma where it's just like, I got this, I don't need anything. You want to keep growing, you want to keep seeing God, you want, be a truth seeker, be a seeker. Never not be a seeker. We are finite human beings. We want to be in a place that we never stop our seeking. Whether it's seeking growth, seeking God, seeking truth. So in prayer, be seeking. It's not check off the box prayer. What would it look like to be a seeker in your prayer life? Is coming to God with an open heart going, I want to receive. I want to know. Help show me. My heart is open. I want to see what you want me to see. I expect to receive something. I want to know. That's why even if you don't believe in God, prayer will work if you come and be a seeker. I've seen it. If you just go to God and say, I don't know if you're there. I don't know if there is a God. Help me see. That's seeking. I just want to know what's true. My heart is open to believe the truth. Are you there, God? Who are you? If your heart is open to seeking, you'll see God. I believe that. I had a friend of mine who was going through a really rough time a few years ago. It was rough because they were, uh, they were an atheist and um, their father died very young and it was horrible. It's horrible. It's understandable. Like, of course, especially, I mean, he had already been an atheist before this, but this was almost like, in some ways, like, um, it's, it's hard to reconcile life sometimes when you don't understand some of these things. Um, and what we talked about as far as it, God doesn't cause those things. It's just that, you know, um, uh, so what I said, he was at a bottom in his life. And he was coming to talk to me about the grief part because he was alone. So he's one of my students. And so we talk once a week. We'd sit and talk about what it's like as his father was dying and after his father died. So I said to him, I'm like, I knew he was super opposed to prayer. But I'm like, I said, okay, I get that this is really hard for you, but why wouldn't you want to try it? Like, why? You're at a bottom right now. Like, you don't know. You know, like, what would hurt to try? Why would that hurt anything? Like, you're looking for answers. You're coming to me because you really, you know, you're feeling really at a bottom and looking for answers. So why not be, o why not be open, period? Like, why would we ever relate in a way that we wouldn't be open to a possibility here? Because I said, you haven't ever tried it. Why don't you try it? So I talked him into it, very reluctantly, mind you, super reluctantly. But it was just sort of like, you're a logical person. You're logical. This is not logical that you wouldn't even give it a try. Come on. Intellectually. You know what I'm saying? Like, how is that intellectually logical? So he said, okay. So he tried it. He tried it. And the next week, he's like, uh, he said, I, I really wasn't expecting this, and I hate to say it, but I felt differently. He goes, I actually noticed something happened inside. And he wasn't wanting that to be the answer. You know, he wasn't wanting that. And that even the things that he was seeking in prayer 
you know, the, that he was seeing it move things, he was seeing things change. That's why, seek. God respects seeking. If you are a closed system and don't let anything in and think you got all the answers and there's no openness, you're not going to find anything. You know, people say that they don't see God, but if you're sitting there going, there's no God, I'm not, you know, it's not seeking. It's fine to go, I don't get it, there's not a God, doesn't make sense to me. But you want to be in a place, if you're seeking, God will show up. God's like that. He's not trying to be hard to find. God is so not trying to be hard to find. But we want our hearts to just be seeking. So that's why, that's the message of this in the prayer. We, it, can you see how that would make your prayers alive and fresh and new of just like in every day what can you be just having a heart to receive and to be seeking and to say, God, I want to see, show me. Whether, you know. So anyway, then what finishes up in, in uh, verse 11, it says, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? <laughs> you see that? Wow, that'd be a really crummy dad. Dad, can I have some bread? Here you go, son. Here's a stone. He's like, or if he asks for a fish, would he give him? Yeah, here's a serpent instead of a fish. Sting you. Or if he asks for an egg, would he say, oh, here's a scorpion. So then in verse 13, this is Jesus speaking. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Like, you, you dads are not all that. <laughs> he's saying, he's like, how much more would your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So now this is specifically speaking to having a desire to receive the Holy Spirit in the context. But look at the fact that it's coming right after the prayer and the seeking. So in the context of that, it's saying, the lesson still is, if you seek God, it's not going to give you a bad thing. You ever been afraid to seek God because you think he's going to hit you with thunderbolts? <laughs> This is saying it ain't going to happen. What, when you seek, it says God doesn't give out bad things like that. Like seriously, we expect more from earthly fathers. Why would God be this, you know? It's saying that we can count on God for those things. Okay, <laughs> let's go to one more. Um, in James... 5 in verse 13. I love this one about prayer. It says, is anyone among you suffering? Like if you're suffering, let him pray. So the answer, if you're suffering, that makes sense, right? If you're suffering, prayer would make sense, correct? That's an, that's an understandable thing. Then it says, oh, look at that. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms, which are happy prayers. <laughs> If you're happy, pray. If you're suffering, pray. If you're happy, pray. Is anyone sick? Guess what the answer is going to be? Pray. <laughs> you're getting the, the pattern here. But it's, it's saying, call even other people and ask to pray over him, the elders of the church. And then it says, uh, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And then it says, and the prayer of the faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. If he committed sins, he'll be forgiven. 
Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you will be healed. It's kind of the cure-all. You know what this verse always reminds me of? Is um, my big fat Greek wedding where, they had, where Windex was good for everything. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you got to cut Windex. You know, like this, Windex. You know, <laughs> just sort of like every, the cure for everything is Windex. Prayer is the Windex of life. You know, it's just sort of like the, you know... <laughs> Prayer, put that in your notes. Prayer, Windex, no. So it really is, though. There's like, what is your need? What is it that, you know, whatever it's good, you're going through, prayer will work. It will help. That's how cool prayer is. And then it says, the effective, fervent, which is like a white-hot prayer of a righteous man avails much. It's like powerful. It's like, boom, avails. Uh, and then it says in verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, which is kind of funny. Okay, you guys have heard of Elijah the prophet? It's like powerful guy. You know, he was, you know, he was up against the 450 prophets of Baal and, you know, they, it, miracles, like crazy miracles, Elijah the prophet, like bam. And so it's saying he's just a guy like you and me. Now, you ever thought of Elijah that way? He's just like us, just regular people. <laughs> You're going, really? <laughs> That's not, but what's interesting is it says, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So the, the, the message here is, Elijah is just regular people like you and me, but it's the prayer that he prayed, that he prayed where it didn't rain for three and a half years and then it rained. I mean, you know, you can read the story to see why that happened because it does seem like a wacky thing to pray for, but God told him to. And, um, uh, but that's the power. It's that you can be regular people and prayer. That's why it's own your power. Because the thing is, is you want to take you regular people, it's possible through prayer to... Open yourself up to the power of God who made the sun. You want to be a little human person, which we are. Open up. Talk about opening yourself up for power. There's no way to open yourself to more powerful life than prayer. Because you're inviting God, the creator of all the universe, into your life. So there's no bigger way to empower yourselves in that way. So if you're happy, pray. If you're sick, pray. And ask other people, prayer works in faith and forgiveness. It's powerful. Your life can change radically. So here's what I want to ask to do, because if you're writing in the little notes section of your program, I would like to cause just invite you to a challenge just to see, just for this next week, to think about. I'm a big advocate of just trying to spend a half hour a day seeking God in prayer. If that's not your norm, you know, in particular, if it's your norm, that's awesome. But, you know, to just really be thinking about seeking God, I really, tell me what that's like next week. I'm telling you, I've seen radical things happen in a week, and it's a half hour. It's nothing in a day. I know it's, you know, 
It's hard to stop. You're, and honestly, you're going to have to make it a priority or it's not going to happen. If you're looking for it to be leftover time at the end of the day, you will not be praying at all. I can guarantee there will be everything else in the world will come up in the midst of it. But you will feel lighter, you'll feel more peaceful, and you'll see God in ways that you probably never have. It's just, I cannot think of anything that pays greater dividends than spending time in prayer. And I'm kind of a big advocate if you're not, if you haven't tried it. I started doing this and it's just been powerful for me because I wasn't raised this way. But having time on my knees, because it helps me just get in a state of acknowledging the vastness of God and it opens up my heart. It's not a rule, but I'm telling you, if you haven't tried that, I encourage you to try it because that can also just really open your heart up in ways if you haven't done that before. So anyway, uh, let me pray and close us out here before Chris comes up. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your love that we can come to you in prayer and in seeking you and see amazing things that help us to pray more, to work less and pray more. And um, the prayer is way more productive than all of the efforts that we can do of our own behalf, God. And help if there are people that haven't tried praying, God, I pray especially like a huge special blessing. If anybody is stepping out in faith of trying that and of seeking you for the first time, I pray for big blessings. Uh, especially that you would reveal yourself and make yourself known and your love known. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.